everybody. I'm Robert. And I'm Ira. And this is Bunny Shot. Robert. What? How are you? What's going on, buddy? What's happening? How you doing? Well, since I got the gas fumes out of my I'm feeling a lot better. I tell you. Yeah, I'm not dizzy. No rashes. No, it's just the, not the farting nauseous. kind of gas. Well, huh? that's another kind of gas. But I'm, I'm like all, all better. Isn't that yeah. incredible? Yeah. I've noticed a sense of clarity about you. You mean it wasn't there before? Did I seem a little bit foggy? No, I've noticed a lack of clarity. A lack? I was foggy prior is what you're saying. Yeah, it's like, yeah. you know, when you're... When you get kicked in the head by a horse, yeah, you know, in the cartoons, and all of a sudden you become the genius. Yeah. <laughs> so then, which is the real Ira? That's a good question. Which is the real Ira? Only time will tell. Ah. All right. Well, this week we've got a new movie that's coming out, The Big Sick. We're going to review uh, Camille Nanjiani, who stars, wrote and stars in uh, The Big Sick. We're also going to be revealing our top five interracial couples interracial relationship movies yeah there you go but before we do that yes i guess as per usual we need to do a little mail call oh you mean it's time for the following oh fuck robert and ira have nothing to fear it's from our listeners we want to hear help us make our podcast better we look forward to reading your letter this listener says hi robert and ira i've recently become a habitual listener of the money shot podcast hmm I'm not sure how I feel about that. Uh, good, I guess. Yeah, it's a compliment. Listen, it's a compliment from the word habit. And so it an is ongoing the shit. pattern. Now, I really don't know how I feel about that. Yeah. You guys are hilarious duo slash couple. Now, what's couple? couple? Couple. Duo slash couple. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Not just duo. And although I have not seen 99% of the movies you reviewed, I love listening to you guys, especially the stories that have nothing to do with the movies. <laughs> Uh, side note here, why is Iris still single and perpetually ready to mingle? He mentioned the word commitment-phobe. Ira, why are you single and ready to mingle? Who wrote that? I don't know. Hmm. What's up, man? Hey, there's there's our cat cameo. Yeah. Take a shot. You like putting me on the spotlight. <laughs> yeah, what's, uh, what's up, man? Um, I feel like I've accomplished virtually everything in my life in professional, on a professional level. I'm a successful teacher and filmmaker in wait, large wait, wait. part You're because a of you. You're a teacher. Professor. <clears throat> filmmaker in large part because of you. On a personal level, there's something lacking. Which is what? I'm searching for my woman. You've, how long have you been doing this search for your woman? Let's get real for a minute. Real talk with Robert and Ira. The big sick. Let's talk about the movie. <laughs> okay, let's no. talk about your big sick. Yeah. <laughs> what did I call it or last night? The big stick? <laughs> did you call it your big stick or did you call the movie the big stick? Yeah. So I'm, um, so, I'm on a mission. I'm searching. Are, are you on a mission from God? Just like, was it? The Blues Brothers. Right? Yeah. Well, yeah. What is your issue with, with commitment, though? I, you know, a lot of people feel that I'm a commitment phobic because I am a bit older. And I have never married. And there is a lot of evidence to suggest that. But I don't think it's accurate. I simply haven't met her yet or committed to her yet. Now, you've been in relationships before. I have. Yes. What's the longest relationship you've ever been in? The longest one was with Kathy. Mm -hmm. And we, were, we lived together that for... That was the woman with the penis, right? Well, shh, shh, shh. Oh, my bad. Shh, we don't... And, um, and we were together for... Uh, see, it sounds like a short period of time. But for me, it was very significant. It was, I don't know, like three and a half years. And you but lived was, together? Yeah. I still had my apartment in North Hollywood. You I still did not, kept it? I kept it. It was my safety valve. 
Isn't that interesting? Is that where you would go to poop? We're not going to get into that again, are we? <laughs> no, I mean, seriously, you lived with this woman, right? I did. Did yeah. she ever see you shit? Um, well, often when we would go to Santa Barbara, and then, you know, well, we talked about this before, running the water so they don't hear the plop. <laughs> and lighting a candle so they don't smell the smell. Ira, <laughs> what are you doing in there? Actually, that was referenced in You've the movie. You've been in there for 20 minutes. That was referenced in the movie, wasn't it? There was a cute bit about that in the film. Ira, the ro- water keeps Notice running. Notice I'm trying to segue into the film and you're not letting me. What are you doing in there? Okay. Yeah. Okay. All right, Robert. Um, but thanks for bringing that up. Have you ever been? Have you ever taken a shit outside your your home? Well, we, you're like obsessed with this, aren't you? <laughs> I really you, am. <laughs> you really are. I even discussed this with my doctor. I may have shared this in the previous podcast that even when I go on a local trip, whether it's Santa Barbara, San Diego, or Palm Springs, I do become somewhat constipated. And my physician, my internist, general practitioner said, it's normal. It's normal. You're but comfortable But what about when you go to Bangkok? Bathroom. Oh, well, I have my own room. Okay, and, so and that's I'm, okay. I'm comfortable because it's not being shared with anyone. Yeah. And um, that hasn't been a problem. That's interesting. When I go to Bangkok, well, I'm in Bangkok for like, you know, a week and a half. You're so. just shitting on whores. And so at that point, it's okay. <laughs> okay. All right. This next listener says, uh, this is in response to Best in the Biz. And this listener says, my suggestion is my favorite movie. The one that started the tradition of the formation of a team of the best in the biz to accomplish a mission, mission The Guns of Navarone. You remember that movie, right? Yeah, it's also one of my favorites. But um, he's right. He's right. And I think he breaks down the different characters mm-hmm. and what their expertise is. Yeah. Could you share that? Oh. <laughs> yes. Oh, sh- should I do that? Just a little bit. Just do a... Well, no, it's really a good point. Let's, well, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, we got Gregory Peck, who was uh, the mountain climber. And then Anthony Quayle. Uh, and Wait, Anthony Quayle? Quinn. Is it Quinn, you're right. This is Anthony huh. Quayle. Oh. David Niven and uh, Stanley Baker, James Darren. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Each of those characters have their own unique expertise. That's why this listener was re- responding to that of last week. Yeah. Right. And that became a staple, even for John Sturgis with The Magnificent Seven, The Great Escape. Seriously, each character had their specialty to make the teamwork. And you had a positive synergy where none of these people would be nearly as successful by themselves or even coupled two, three, or four. You have to have the whole team working together to that, achieve their goal. Do you think that's the guns of Navarone that started that? Would you agree with that? Actually, I think that's a really intelligent observation. And he felt, he felt quite certain that that was started that trend. And those other movies I mentioned followed soon after. And I was, when I saw that email, I was trying to think of movies prior to the guns of Navarone that had teamwork with each character with their own unique specialty. Well, I think even like uh, the Marx brothers had some of that, didn't they? Yeah, but the Marx Brothers weren't on a mission to blow up these huge guns so that Germany would oh, lose weren't? World War II. <laughs> I, thought that, I thought that was the whole plot of every Marx Brothers movie. All right, and this last listener says, Hi, Robert and Netflix Ira. Number one, this is a three-point plan here. Number one, Ira, you totally said best in the biz. You totally you know, did. right. I, Robert, Robert, I'm going to interrupt you. I went back and I listened to the podcast the next day, mm-hmm. and whoever that person is he or she is right mm-hmm. i misspoke go ahead Robert. Mm-hmm. go ahead i'm sorry not I, just them I, but who else was right 
uh, uh, someone else. <laughs> a, a fly on the wall. Yeah. Uh, I love Gregory Peck and To Kill a Mockingbird if, as much, if not more, than the next person, but you said best in the biz at least once, if not multiple times. Right. However, we did redefine it, and we often use the expression at the top of their game. You're giving me that look right now, but we did also say that mm-hmm. the, at the top of their game, people who are really good at what they what are you doing in there? People who are really good at what they do. And I thought it was pretty cool that for number one, I came up with Gregory Peck, not the lawyer, but as a father. <laughs> All right. And you gave me a hard the time with that. The next point in this uh, letter brushing says, me off right Ira, now. you said Leon the Professional came out in 1999. It most certainly did not. It came out in 1994. I just feel like you've said it right before and maybe it was just a slip up, but I saw the professional in high school, <clears throat> which was certainly before 1999. Did you write that? I did not. Now, you would think that I would, right? Yeah, yeah. Because that sounds very like much it. like you. That it's sounds your tone. like tone. It's your tone. I got told, called to task as well. Wow. Number three, Robert. It's the Tuvan throat singing that is practiced in parts of Mongolia by Buddhist monks. It's uh, also called overtone singing, not the Philippines, you racist. Yeah. Wow. So I got called out, man. Yeah. How does it feel? Huh? Huh? <clears throat> well, I noticed that I only had one. You had two. I think mine was just kind of obviously a sharp shot in the dark. I was like, uh, you know, the, the Philippines are somewhere over there. Mm. At least mm. I had the right continent. So you're justifying your error is what I'm hearing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, we got a little bit of mail. I like that. I like being called I a do, task. I, I do, li- too. I like when we, uh, we have listeners who correct us for our bullshit. That's nice. Yeah. So if you, if you notice any bullshit, be sure to send us an email. Where would we be without them? They need to call us out. We'd be dead. And speaking of dead, let's talk about the dead corner. Ira? <clears throat> At least I don't sing anymore. <laughs> yes. And now the moment we have to say, well, actually, Robert, do we want to do dead corner or the weekend review? We always, I always ask you this, which flows better? Oh my, I just set you up perfectly for it. I know, I know. I, I fucked just it up. I led you up right time. into it. And you go, I couldn't let it minute. go. The anal compulsive side of me had to bring it up and ask. I should learn to let go and just go with the flow, dude. <laughs> You're in the Hawaiian shirt right now. I think that you'd be all relaxed and chill. Whatever you prefer. Do you want to do weekend No, review? let's do dead people. All, all right. right, let's do And now the moment we have to say the following people passed away. Gotta tell you, unfortunately we must. The following people have turned to dust. All right, who died this week? Ah, okay. A lot. Well, it should be said that we haven't recorded in quite a while. Yeah, actually, it's been eight to nine days, right? Yes. More than a week. Usually, so. we record once every week, but mm-hmm. the past couple of episodes, we've had to record a little bit early because of some scheduling conflicts between you and I, and so it's been a little while. So let's talk about who's dead. Okay. The primary ones, I think, well, the, I have the following people. Uh, uh, Joe Robinson, 90, a, a British actor. 90? Nine, 90 years old? 90 years old. Oh, okay. a kid. or 90 years dead. No, no I, I, too far. He was in The Loneliness of the Long Distance Runner. Do you remember that? No. He was in Thor and the uh, Amazon Women and uh, British actor Joe left us. I also want to mention, I want to mention this about uh, Mr. David Udall, 66, American sound editor. Robert, he was involved with The Thing, The Fifth Element, Escape from New York. Oh my gosh. I know, I know. And you know, I really like that we're acknowledging certain people. And as you know, I had a certain attachment to the the stunt coordinator that we mentioned at a previous podcast Mm -hmm. who did the Steve McQueen movies and, and, and How the West was won because I heard him in the commentary. And 
we it's a cliche to say that film is such a collaborative medium but it really really is where would we be without these people so he was a um a sound editor for the thing yes now there was more than one right yeah yeah i'm assuming this is the original thing i think so too i mean the fact that it you also said escape from new york those are both john carpenter movies right 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 um i also want to mention uh joan Joan B R O O C O C K Lee, 95. Bukok. Bukok. It's okay. You can say cock on this I show. I didn't want to say, I have to watch my program. British born American voice actress. Listen, she was involved with Spider Man, Fantastic Four. She was a model. She had complications from a stroke. But you know what? I, what kind of model? Uh, was it a butt model? No, Robert, because I'm about to say something kind of sensitive. You're going to feel self conscious and perhaps that I you won't. should have said that. Well, then again, knowing you, you're probably cool with it anyway. But I want to say that she was married to Stan Lee. Oh, I feel so bad now. Oh, shut the fuck up. She was married to Stan Lee for 70 years. Do you think about... he admired her butt? And that... I bet she was a good butt model. <sighs> okay, you're missing the point here. She was married to the Stan Lee, and that's why she did voice. Uh, for for Spider-Man, Fantastic Four. And I wanted to share that with you. Moving on along. If Stan Lee, now that he's single, if he came to you and, and wanted to go out on a date, I know you're not gay, but it's Stan Lee. Would you do it? I wouldn't go on a date with him, but I'd suck his dick. Okay. Just wanted to make sure. All right. What else you got? Uh, let's go. Uh, uh, you actually mentioned this to me. You sent me a text about, uh, I want to say, Nelson Ellis. Yes. Very young. Robert, you know what he was in. He was 39 years old, American actor. Yes. He was in the TV show True Blood, but he's also in um, in Get On Up, the James Brown yeah. film. Get on up. Yeah, that's it. That's it. Papa's got a brand new bag. Did I tell you that I saw James Brown right before he died? It was one of his last performances. And he was still kicking it, man. That's really something. Still did the cape and all that yeah. stuff. Yeah. Saw him in yeah. Vegas. Great wow. show. Yeah. Wow. House of Blues. You also saw Don Rickles shortly before I did. he I died. I Don Rickles. I remember. I remember yeah, you said like, that. Man, that was, everyone knew he was going to die. It was kind of, man, you realize this guy ain't going to live much longer. I want to mention another person. Elsa Martinelli, 82, an Italian actress. And I did some research on her. Mm-hmm. And she was in a film I never heard of called uh, Donatella. Oh, yeah. With so, like Michelangelo and Leonardo the Ninja Turtle movie? No. Oh. No, but I want to tell you that this was in the Berlin Festival in 1956 and she got top actress. Oh. How about that? For How playing about that? a turtle? You're missing the point. This is a sacred process of the dead corner. Oh, am I, am I shitting on it? <laughs> <laughs> oh, and, and if I may, mm. there's also a, someone you turned me on. You turned me on this person. You sent me a text earlier. Um... Miriam Marks Allen. This is the daughter of Groucho. Now, he had a couple of daughters. And I remember one was Melinda Marks. And she was on Ed Sullivan lot in Shindig doing a song uh, called The East Side of Town. On the east side of town, there's always trouble there. But this is the other daughter from a different wife. Um, she Groucho wrote a lot of letters to her, very personal, without the edge, without the sarcasm, without the humor, and it showed a more loving, tender side. It was just pictures of rubber ducks, right? <laughs> and she published it in a book, and uh, she passed away as well. And um, she, um, and and she was how old? She's quite elderly, actually. Born nineteen twenty-seven to uh, two thousand seventeen. Now, anyway, those are some of the more significant people who died the last eight days. Yeah. Anyway, they're dead. All right. So, Alice. Wow. What movies did you see this week? Ah, glad you asked. Are you ready? (laughs) 
other movies we've seen during the last seven days. Some are stinkers, some we want to praise. Some are old, some are new. We now present A Week, week in, in Review. Oh, brother. All right. What did you see this week, Ira? Uh, why don't you go first? You want, you, you go I first. saw a lot this week. Did you? Well, You yeah. should have been working on our film. I have or... been. But every, every moment that I haven't been working on the film, I've been working on watching movies. Uh, okay. All right. So... First of all, they've been doing a lot of uh, they've been doing a lot of screenings. The American Cinematheque, the uh, Secret Thirty Five Millimeter Club. There's a lot of film groups in Los Angeles that have been doing special screenings, and I went to a few of them this week. I went to see, first of all, Full Metal Jacket at the Egyptian Theater, and that was great. Yeah, you've yeah. seen it, of yes, course. Yes, I have. Yeah, and I uh, took my girlfriend to that. What was especially terrific was Matthew Modine, the lead of the film, was there, and Vincent D'Onofrio was there. Wow. And Vincent D'Onofrio plays, you know, a private pile, Gomer Pyle in the movie. And uh, Matthew Modine plays private Joker. Go, did you say Gomer Pyle? That's who's na- he's named nickname, after Gomer Pyle. His nickname is Gomer. Yeah, yeah Pyle. Did, was there a Q&A with these people? Uh, I don't or know. It wasn't much of a Q&A, a, but they did do an, uh, like a brief interview. Mm-hmm. And Matthew Modine said something that really stuck with me and I wanted to bring up on this podcast. He had a really, really interesting perspective of directing and of course everyone's asking him about uh, you know the people on the panel were asking him about what it was like to work with Kubrick and Kubrick's viewpoint on on directing actors and he he said something really interesting he said the director's job is not to teach actors how to play their instruments so to speak and he he used this metaphor about like a, a in an orchestra the conductor's job is not to teach you how to play the violin you're already supposed to do that you're already supposed to know how to put feeling into the music and bring it to life the the or the conductor's job is to tell you i want a little bit more of that or i want a little bit Hmm. less of that and to really conduct you and that really should be the director's job and the actor should bring to the fold their emotion and their approach to the job and they should be aware of their job but the director should not be having to show you how to play your instrument and I thought that was really true. And he he was making a point. He said, you know, a lot of the uh, the direction that Kubrick would give would just be, okay, do it again, but do it better this time. <laughs> and it sounds so funny, but and and of course it got a big laugh with this, you know, everyone there just, oh my gosh, how could you, you know, that sounds so stupid. Like what an awful sense of it's direction. So simple, but it's it really is. Simple, it's just, but it's a gem. Make it better. And he said, yeah, when we did the next take, I was damn sure to make it better. And I mean, you're working with one of the best directors in the history of cinema. And there really is some truth to that. And it really it shouldn't have to take the best director in cinema to get that across. It should really be even a, a student filmmaker who says to his cast, hey, I want this better. You should be better. Well, there's our obligatory I know, siren. I know, I know. I love that. I love take the another analogy. shot. <laughs> uh, I love that analogy with the, uh, with the conductor. Yeah. And I, I know even... When we were on the set with our movie, with 30 Love, which you were directing, mm-hmm. I don't think once you actually told an actor how to say a line. I don't think you ever did that. No. And I had a small part in the film, and you would not do that with me. You didn't want to do that with me. Instead, you would talk to me about my role, who I was, and what had my previous, my motivation and all that. You talked to me about the scene, but you would not say the line the way I should say it, so I'd mimic you. Yeah. You did not do that. I mean, I think... Do some directors do that? I hope not. Yeah, I bet some... I wonder. I'm sure some do. Yeah. But I think a lot of times directors don't know how to emote the line themselves, so hmm. oftentimes they're struggling to try to get the line to come out a certain way. But 
uh, Mamet, David Mamet had written some stuff about that too, about how directors should direct and how everybody has their own role. And he's very strict about the dialogue. I think I might've mentioned it on the podcast before, but if the dialogue says a certain line, then you have to say it that way. So if, if the line is, no, I don't want to go to the store, you say, no, I don't want to go to the store. Not, I don't want to go to the store, because that's not what was written. The line was written, no, I don't want to go to the store. And you have to make sometimes wooden lines wow. come to life. And in a lot of ways, it can really show the true colors of an actor, because if they can't say that line correctly, they, they really don't have the kind of talent that other actors do. And it's really interesting to watch David Mamet films because you'll sometimes see some very stiff readings of lines because the actors don't have the chops and other people step up to the plate and people like, uh, you know, Robert Downey Jr. who all of a sudden can just take this dialogue and make it come to life and you believe what he's saying. And, you know, Mamet won't let him get away with... But it feels like Mamet is putting up roadblocks. It seems like that, but I think what he's trying to do is he's trying to create roles for people on set. And I, I do agree with Mamet. He said before that we cater too much to actors and it seems to be all about the actors, actors, actors. There's a lot going on in a movie other than just actors. You've got set design, you've got story, you've got dialogue, you've got lighting, you've got all sorts of elements that are coming together, but we send, seem to only focus on one element, which is the actor. And there's a lot more going on. And I, I think he's really trying to say, why are we only focusing on this one element? Right, right. And a lot of times we bend over backwards in order for them to achieve the greatness of that element. And sometimes to our own uh, destruction, you know, right. the, the destruction of what the writer intended. It, it gets lost because we're so worried about the fragile right, egos of right. actors. You know, Robert, again, just literally a few days before we did principal photography in, in in our movie 30 Love, we had a heart-to-heart -heart, philosophical talk, and we agreed that the actors should stay on book, that they shouldn't ad-lib, that we yeah. don't want that. We worked really hard on this dialogue, and we wanted to say it verbatim the way we wrote it. I think there are a couple of exceptions to that, but I think you and I had purposely, ahead of time, decided these are going to be the moments where we have some right, of that. Right, right, right. So anyway, okay. that was... Uh, that was Full Metal Jacket. Any other movies you saw? I saw Rear Window at the Vista wow, Theater. the original. The original the Rear original, Window. The good one. Is there a remake? Yeah, wasn't there? I thought... Am I wrong? I don't think oh, it was gonna, I'm going to Google that later. There was Psycho. They remade I know Psycho that. shot for shot. But I don't know. I bet I'm wrong. I'm probably... All I, right, I, don't write the letters. Don't write the letters. It's probably make, only been they one. They did make other movies like Suburbia, which is very close right. to that. So there was... So there were a lot of other movies that were very similar in tone. And um, or was it Disturbia? Whatever that movie Dis was, Disturbia, yeah, right? Yeah. Uh, regardless, that's that movie was great. It was fun <sighs> to watch it up on the big screen. There were Raymond Burr. Yeah. And there were some really nice moments there. And Cinematography. Watching changes. Hitchcock's cameo and hearing everyone just applaud when he turns around. That's cool. In that movie, that that's really nice. He's got his back to the camera, and, and the people who were in the know who've seen it before, they start clapping before he ever turns around. As soon as you see I his love face, the, I love the whole it. crowd goes nuts. Do you remember in the movie Lifeboat, which yes. Hitchcock directed, how they got that? Because I was, was on wondering. The it's on the newspaper. How, and obviously, all of our listeners know that Hitchcock was notorious for being in every film yeah he got cameo. that from M. Night Shyamalan did you know that? I think M. Night Shyamalan no no, got... no 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 Hitchcock got that idea from M. Night Shyamalan 
Robert. There's confusion, Robert, and then Robert, there's... Robert. But M Night <laughs> is so in every one of his movies. M Night is in every one of his movies, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. yeah. But uh, in the movie Lifeboat, where they're in a raft, and how is Alfred Hitchcock going to make his cameo? It was very clever. In fact, it was an, a, a newspaper ad for a weight loss. Isn't that right? Where you saw his, I think, yeah, the profile, like and you saw the. So it was very, it was very clever. Nice movies. There's one other movie that I tell saw me, in tell, the theater, which was uh, Bill and Ted, Bogus Journey, you saw uh, both. Great, Excellent Adventure, and Bogus Journey. Together, one right after the other. And again, the American Cinematheque put this on at the Aero Theater, and Alex Winter showed up. That's Bill. Yeah. And I guess they reached out to Keanu Reeves, but I think he was sick and he, he couldn't make it. But there were also a couple of the other people from the movie who showed up. The two princesses. Uh, they were there as well, and uh, one of the the actors who played one of the um, in the in Bogus Journey, the uh, one of the creatures from Bogus Journey, the stepmom. I don't know if you remember, but there was like the sexy stepmom Missy, and she was there. And then also the producer of the film oh. was there. So there were a lot of people there to do this great panel discussion, and it, it, they were really funny. Alex Winters. I I don't know if you've ever followed Alex Winters' film career, but he's done a lot of uh, not just he did a lot of comedies and, and things in that similar vein. He did a, a TV series called The Idiot Box. It was really good. It's kind of a sketch comedy show. But then he started getting into documentary filmmaking. And he's done some really interesting documentaries. So if you hmm. ever want to check out some really cool documentaries from someone who's... He's just got some... He's got a voice. And I think people dismiss him because he's not as famous as Keanu Reeves. But right. Alex Winter's great. He's, a, he's got a really good uh, head on his shoulders. He's, he's very straightforward. He also got mobbed. And it was kind of, uh, it wasn't sad, I guess, but it was, I was happy for him. But at the same time, there were a lot of people who just, in, it, right after the Q&A, uh, people came up and they were just trying to give him gifts and trying to get him to sign things. And he just, he, he I think, was entertaining it for a few minutes. It was like, I got to get out of here. This yeah. is overwhelming. And so he had to bolt. Maybe he'd like to join us on our next podcast. I'll certainly reach out to him. <laughs> what a cool double bill that was that yeah. you saw. Yeah. George Carlin, right? With the um, yes, yeah, George, yeah, Carlin. George Carlin, and they talk a lot about George Carlin as well. Yeah, man, cool. What about you? What'd you see? I saw two films. I'm about to surprise you with one of them. Human Centipede. <laughs> no, that's all. Next week. Yeah, right. Robert, that, that's the only movie that would really surprise me. <laughs> I saw Get Out. Oh, you saw Get Out? Yeah, yeah, I saw it. By the way, that was a film Robert and I considered um, talking about. We considered critiquing it on one of our podcasts. And Eric, my good buddy Eric Swellstad, who's been with us a couple times, he happened to have the DVD. So he came over one night. We watched Get Out, uh, 2017. Did you cuddle? George, no, only with you. Only with that, you. That's good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Jordan P- Peeler is that the Peel. comedian? Peeler, yeah, Peeler. And by the way, Peel, Allison, not Peeler. Oh, Peel, Peel. Allison Williams who I think was wonderful in that film. Do you know she's the daughter of Brian Williams, the mm. newscaster who fell from grace for making up stuff? Are you familiar with this? Yes. You know, so anyway, it was the daughter of... And I guess I liked it, but I don't know why it got those accolades that it got. I mean, geez, even the Rotten Tomato scores is like high 90s or 100%. And it was, it was, it was good, but I, my expectations were so lofty because of everything I'd heard about the movie. So I don't know. I saw it, and I get the fact that it's a it's a satire of what's going on with the black and white well, race relations like in our country people, today. So I'm not well, really that's surprised. Too, that's true, but um, I get that it's it's a it's a it, it makes a statement about that, and I appreciate that. 
but I'm not sure if it was really, really a good movie as much as the critics thought. I don't know. Hmm. I'd be curious to hear your take what on it. What do you it. mean, the critics? You mean us critics? Oh, well, present company excluded, of course. I'm talking about the other critics, but I, uh, yeah. What do you mean, film. other critics? No, what I meant with, never mind. I saw what are you trying mo- to say? I'm trying to say that I saw another movie, too. What do you mean, you people? Jesus, God. Why do I do this? <laughs> what else did you see? I saw a film I've always been curious about called The Nanny Diaries. By the way, this was on Netflix, streaming Netflix. Mm-hmm. Have you seen it, Robert? Did you I, see have, it? I have not. Oh, you haven't? <laughs> Go ahead. No, no. This was an independent film, 2017, with Scarlett Johansson. Yes, I'm aware. What? what, what, what I haven't what, seen what, it. What, what, what's the deal right no, now? Go ahead. What, what are you doing? You're look. You're like mocking me. I, I'm listening to what you're saying. Yeah, but you got a smile on your face, like it's very condescending. Ira, what are you doing in there? <laughs> I don't know what he means. Um, this is Scarlett Johansson, and it was before Scarlett Johansson sold out. Uh, it was before she did Ghost in the Shell. It was before she did Rough Night. Oh, was Nights. that her sellout moment? I think so. it was. And with Rough Night, yeah, I do think it was. When she made these nifty little independent films, the, the Woody Allen movie about tennis. What was that one called? Oh, wait, she did The Avengers no, after let me that. T- I know that, but okay. But Match Point is what yes, you're thinking. Yes, I, I liked her in those films more. And I know this got mixed reviews. It's very kind. Did not get great reviews. By the way, Chris Evans is in it. They're in a lot of things together, aren't they? Laura Linney, who can't do anything wrong. But, wait, let hold me, on. I can't what? get past this idea. You're saying that, that Scarlett Johansson sold out at Ghost in the Shell? That was her sellout No, moment? she sold out prior to that. My timeline is slightly off, but you can still appreciate my point. Stop no, picking on me. I don't think she sold out. Oh, I do. No, she was doing high-end Hollywood blockbuster movies from the beginning. Yeah, yeah. I respected her more when she did the other things. Even like when, even like when she was doing the, the voice in her, the operating system. And these roles just had more meat. And there were just more texture. You know what I mean. Mm. You're giving me a hard time on this point. Yeah. I'm, I don't like that argument of well, people selling I out. Know, I, I, know. I don't feel comfortable with that. She's making the choices that she feels comfortable with. Maybe she doesn't want to do those anymore. I don't know why everybody jumps down her throat. She's too pretty for her own good. I think it's that she's hot and everyone hates on hot. Scarlett Johansson, Chris Evans, Laura Linney, and also the great Paul, Paul Giamatti. So it's got quite a cast. It got mixed to very poor reviews, but I thought it was whimsical. Even though it was formulaic and manipulative... And the ending was too pat and tidy. I still liked it. So okay. there. I'm pulling up her, what? her shit. Okay. Last year, she did The Jungle Book. Would you say that's selling out? Go ahead. Let me hear more. She did Hail Caesar, the Coen Brothers movie. Okay. And then she did Sing, the animated movie. And she did uh, Captain America, Civil War. She, you know, She's in all those. She's the Black yeah, Widow. That's what I meant. All right. Let's ask our readers. Let's ask our listeners what but they I'm, feel. Okay. That's today's question. That's tonight's question. Did she sell did out? Did she sell out? Yeah. Well, let, let's let's look. get people to respond. All right. 2015, she did The Avengers Age of Ultron. Then she did TV show. We're not going to take her TV career into things. But the year before that, she did Lucy. Mm. So are you saying she sold out by that point? Mm. That same year was when she did Captain America Winter Soldier. She did Chef, the independent movie with Vince Vaughn. Don John. The year before that, her under the skin. This is only like three or four years ago. Hitchcock, the Avengers. Look, she's she's dabbled back and forth between both of these. People are just hating on her because she's hot. Do I owe Scarlett an apology? Yeah, get down on your knees and look her boots. Okay, 
I'm going to go all the way back here. Let's look at her. All right, all right. First, I pushed a button with you, didn't I? I, People hate on her for no reason. The first movie she was ever in, do you know? I don't. North with Elijah Wood. Do you remember that movie? Of course I do. Do you really remember that movie? I can tell you who directed it. Who directed it? Are you going to put me on the spot? You want to embarrass me? Yeah? Yeah, you ready? Yeah. You ready? Yeah. Mr. Reiner? Yeah, it was Mr. Rob Reiner. Wow, man. Got that one right. So there, (laughs) deal with it, motherfucker. (laughs) And then she did Just Cause with, uh, oh, what's his name? Uh, Sean Connery. Yeah. And after that, she's doing Manny and Lowe, If Lucy Fell, Fall. So these are Home Alone 3. Well, what? Yeah. I mean, she's doing a bunch of independent movies and then big Hollywood movies. Okay. I wouldn't say big Hollywood movies, but she's doing Hollywood Hollywood. schlock. Big Hollywood. Well, she did Home Alone 3 before anyone had really even recognized her. Mm. Home Alone fucking 3. She started out doing big budget trash. I'll write her a letter of apology. All right. See that you do. Yeah. I want to make sure she gets it. She's a sellout. All right. Anyway, those people are dead. Moving on. No, this was the dead quarter. Yeah, this is the weekend review. That's Let's talk it. About our the, movie this week. Are, those are our, our movies. When, oh yeah, we saw a movie this we evening. We saw a movie this evening. Robert, Let's tell us about it. it and what you do so well. Take us through it. Okay, so the big sick is about a Pakistani guy uh, named Camille, who's played by Camille, not a Johnny. And uh, he meets a white girl. They fall in love, and the family does not approve. She winds up getting sick and going into the hospital, is put into a medically induced coma, and it's it falls on Camille's shoulders to have to contact her family, and they come out, and he starts to forge a relationship with her parents, and they all kind of, uh, at first, don't, don't get along so well, and then by the... By the next couple of days, they start kind of seeing eye to eye, and he learns a little bit about himself and about this great person along the way. That's a fair assessment of this, the whole story, wouldn't you say? Kind of. Well, what am I leaving out? Does she live at the end? She dies, and then Camille dies. It's a true story. Yeah. And then we see the funeral, right? Yeah. In the rain. Yeah. It's in the rain. The cold over the rain. <laughs> What did you think of this movie? Yeah, I was going to ask you. I would like you to go first. In, in sum it up succinctly, what was your take? What's your opinion of this film? I like this movie. A lot? Uh, I like this movie. I thought this movie was a, was a good movie. I think they're trying... I, I like movies... Okay, first of all, I like that it's not really an adaptation of something so much as it is a, uh, a reflection of real life. This was a semi-autobiographical movie about... Camille's real life and his uh, stand-up days in Chicago and his how he met his now wife. Yes, but I'm going to interrupt you. Just because it's based on a true story is not an argument why it's a good movie. I, I didn't say that. Oh. I, I'm saying I like that it's not based on previous source material. Oh, okay. I'm saying I don't like that it's another comic. I like that it's not another comic movie, yeah. comic book movie. Yeah. I like that it's not based on a novel. I like that it's something that we haven't seen before. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I don't think that based on a true story, this, this shouldn't count as one of those kind of movies. This is an autobiographical film. And I find, you know, that, that's, that's almost its own kind of category. It's not, this isn't Moneyball, where you're basing a movie off of uh, an, uh, an, a, a person who's 
done an amazing thing. This isn't a movie about, you know, uh, Bernie Madoff or something like that. This is someone own their own personal story. And so I, I wouldn't put it in that kind of category, like based on a, a true story. I, I would say this is about my life, about my, my experiences. So yeah, I, I like the movie. I like that that's where they're coming from. I think there's definitely some things that, uh, that they, first of all, they had a few sound problems. Did they? Yeah, a few technical sound problems, but uh, the fault of the theater, or is it no, no, no? It was production, yeah. and I, I could tell just having done our film, they're getting into some trouble with people not saying the right, the right sentence and the right phrase here or there, and they're they're overdubbing lines to fit in, and it's not quite matching this. The I mouth noticed movements a split second like where it went to a different person who was still finishing a previous line. Yeah. I noticed that happen. There's a few things like that, but that's a, that's to be expected in a low budget film. This was certainly low budget. It was made with a lot of heart. I think they've got some really good moments in there. And I, I think there, there are some problems with it. Uh, a few technical problems, a few just, uh, I don't want to say story problems, but, um, I guess believability moments that I'm like, and I know it's based on a true story, but it just feels a little stretched. Yeah. What about you? I think we have the same opinion. I liked it. Once again, I think there's something wrong with me, Robert. All these films, that we, they're getting these incredible accolades, and I didn't fall in love with it, but I, I, I liked it. And it, too, on the, is very high on Rotten Tomatoes, like in the high 90s or something. I did find it to be uh, formulaic. I found it to be a bit manipulative. I found it to be contrived. It was a tidy ending. We knew it was going to end that way. We knew it was coming. I'm talking about all the negatives things. They're running. They're, I'm rattling them off right now. She was so quirky, and it was just too self-consciously quirky. Does that make sense? Yes. She was. She in particular was too self-consciously quirky. Now, you're talking about Emily, the main, yeah, yeah, the main female, yeah. I think that's part of my problem with a lot of these movies is that they're um, some of the, the the romantic female always has to be super nutty, kind of weirdo, quirky, and it's too much sometimes. Robert, we talked about this with uh, uh, Baby Driver. It was the same thing. It was really reminiscent in the coffee shop where they meet for the first time. The bantering. Yeah. The badinage, pretty good word, huh? Yes. The badinage, where she, in both movies, the female, the girlfriend, was being too quirky and smart. And I don't think that's terribly realistic for an initial meeting. Well, I think in this movie, in The Big Sick, I don't think that she was... I didn't get that too much from the from the initial meeting. I got it more as the as their relationship progressed. Mm-hmm. I mean, you've, you've been in a relationship... Did your did your humor start progressing into those high levels? After? Seriously, I think it takes a while to get comfortable with the other person to know what you can get away with, and you start pushing the envelope and upping the ante. And I don't think on a first exchange, I'm I'm really back on Baby Driver right now, aren't I? You know, in the coffee shop where people don't talk like that when they first meet, absolutely, or do they? Am I no, wrong? I, yeah. you're, you're right. Yeah, ba- the Baby Driver example is stronger right now. I would agree, but what I'm saying is, I I think over time you're in a relationship, you almost don't try as hard to be that kind of funny. You really just try to be real with the person, and you you don't you're no longer on, so to speak. You're not trying to perform all the time and trying to get this. So you've gotten lazy in your relationship. No, I just try to be real. 
on the first date, you're always trying to put your your best foot forward. You're trying to get the person to like you. You're trying to get a second date. And this almost seemed to do the opposite. On the on the first date, he was inept and he couldn't do anything and it wasn't by it wasn't until the, you know, 10th or 11th date or so it seemed that he finally started to come out of his shell. Right. And I'm left wondering, well, then what did she see in you to begin with? Did she just like inept people? Did you see chemistry glue between those two? I want, Robert, I wanted to. I, I really, did, yeah. but you know what? Here it comes, here it comes. I wasn't buying it. There were a I couple of scenes it. where she's like pushing him over on the, on the couch and they're laughing. They're sharing a good laugh. I, I like that. Although I feel like he would have tackled her back. I think he would have. He would have played around with her, but she was, he was just letting her push him around. And he was laughing. She was laughing. It seemed like they were having a little bit of chemistry right there. But there wasn't great chemistry between the two. There really wasn't. What I really do like, though, is that she looked realistic. She looks like someone that I believe would be walking around yeah. in Chicago. Yeah. She's, she's not... And I've said this before. I don't like movies where everyone is too beautiful. I hate it when they're too beautiful. It's not realistic. And there is, I mean, we got Atomic Blonde coming up pretty yeah. soon. And that's a different kind of movie. Yeah. I expect everyone to be beautiful yeah. in that movie. And, and that's okay for that. But this kind of movie... She was perfect. Yes. She was perfect. She wasn't beautiful. She was very cute. Yeah. With a unique face. Right. And we believe that that is the kind of person yeah. that yeah. Camille Nanajani would go for and, and hook up with. So Agreed. I buy that. I, I like too. that element. But I still wasn't feeling the chemistry between the two of them like I wanted to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, th- those were my primary my primary issues with the movie. But there were some, there were a few laugh out loud moments. I think, what was it? Oh, the, the parents, um, her parents, no, who, a- asking him about what, what do you think of 9-11? I remember his response. What was it? The dinner table. We said, um, well, we lost 19 really good pilots. Right. I thought that was fucking hysterical. Yeah, and I yeah. think that's the clear laugh it, it, out loud yeah, moment. Yeah, it really, it really was. Yeah. yeah. So, which is, I, to me, I, I laughed, but I could, I could hear that being a, that's a stand-up comedy joke. I know that that's something that he wrote for his stand-up, and then he's thinking, oh wait, I think we could work that in here. Yeah. That, it while it's a great laugh, that whole scene felt forced. There's no dad that's going to start talking about I know, 9-11 I while know. his daughter just got yeah, put into a medically induced you're reading coma. My mind. You're reading my mind, yeah. But we've got to shoehorn that in there somewhere, and we've got to have a good laugh. And, and it's a great joke. It works really well, but it's a stand-up comedy joke that's been shoehorned into a movie, and it, it reads as such. But I, I don't mind the humor. I just don't like the placement. Yeah. I, I want to ask you a few questions about a big subplot of this movie centers around uh, Camille's family who's trying to arrange his marriage. What do you think about arranged marriages? I think they have a lot of merit. You know, I had a student give a speech on it about arranged marriages. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting you're asking me of all people. Um, I understand it and I think it's logical. The reason why is there's a girl who's about to drop by and I just wanted you to meet (laughs) her. She just happened to be in the area? Yeah. (laughs) I did notice that all the... uh, all the setups, especially the first, the first setup like that they that. they give, that cute. the first one that they they hand over to him, uh, you know, she brings her headshot in and and she's kind of trying to vie for Camille's attention. I, she looked like the Pakistani fat Amy. Yes. Do you know what I mean? It was kind of oh, what what do you what do you? Oh my gosh, it was rough. Yeah. Yeah. 
Was she the one who said I like uh, X Factor? Yes. Not yeah. X Files. X Files. Not X X Files. That actually, I like that as a running gag. That worked. Is there mm-hmm. really somebody coming over here, Robert, who wants an arranged marriage? You wish. Yeah, no, what, I do. what do you think about it? I I think there's a lot of logical reasons to be in favor of it. I understand about the culture, about the traditions, about economics. There's something to be said about marriage and coming from a good family and love schmuv. You can learn to love each other. God forbid that should ever happen to me that I would be in that position, but I see it how it helps with the culture and getting the right families to commingle and um, economic arguments and so on. Now, mm-hmm. in the movie, Camille makes a really good point, which is that why do we move to America if not I, to I be love American? Robert. So you're you're making the argument that preserves the culture, and I would argue that's not part of the American culture. Right. I mean, and and no no time soon does it look to be uh, that that really the idea of finding your own true love is about as American as it gets. It it falls in line in line with the American dream. You know, falling, finding your own love, your perfect soulmate, all of that. That's a very American ideal. It might be, might exist in other cultures, but that's definitely American. So if you're going to move to America and yet try to perpetuate a um, what do you call it? A, uh, an arranged marriage? Then perhaps you're not being as American as you think. You know, I, this is a personal take on what you just said. I'm meeting so many women, and they weren't born either in this country or in our city laws. And they say, "Well, I'm from Sweden. You have to understand, we do." And I interrupt. I say, "Yeah, but you're in the United States now." I don't buy into that argument. Um, so I'm from New York. We do it. Well, yeah, you're from New York, but you're living in Los Angeles. When now. in Rome. That's it. That's you're it. in Rome. Yep. When you're in Rome, you're in Rome. <laughs> well, I meant to say, I, when, when you're in Rome, do as the Romans do. Right. Well, you're in, in Rome, Rome now. You're in Rome. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you wouldn't go to Sweden and be like, hey, yo, no. this is how we this do it here. I say, well, fuck you. No, you're in a different country right now. Right. You have to abide by the customs, the mores, the traditions, the rituals. Wow. Nice. I like that. Sometimes I get kind of... There was a scene in this movie where they go to the batting cages. Yeah. Have you ever been to the batting cages? <laughs> You're great, Robert. <laughs> what do you think? I if, I if I took you to the batting cages tomorrow... Yeah, yeah. Could I record that and put it up? Well, first of all, in a pig's eye, that'll never happen. I'm, I'm Jewish and... Um, Sandy Koufax, yeah, whatever. But no, you'll <laughs> never see me at a, at a batting cage. <laughs> okay let's go let's go what are you laughing i want to record that i think that's yeah, good entertainment yeah, yeah um her parents i'd like to speak about her parents yeah first of all holly hunter is brilliant yeah, she's in good. everything she does and i hope our listeners have a handle on this incredible she's an actor yeah. she's an actor's actor so many of the people out there are stars or celebrities, but she's, I mean, look at all the movies she's been in. She's always brilliant in everything she does. And Raymond, I didn't see them as a couple either, Robert. Would you see them together, Holly Hunter and Ray uh, Romano? Did they feel like no, they were? No, I didn't no, see a there lot was of no, between them. They were playing off but, the shtick, but... But you know what? I think that they, they were playing couples who, a couple who was estranged. And, or I guess, how do you say it? Well, they weren't strange. They were going through a difficult time in their relationship. Uh-huh. Uh, and, and you really sparked, I noticed you kind of shifting in your seat when they said this famous kind of philosophy, I guess, not famous, but this one really pivotal philosophy in the movie. Uh, Ray Romano's character reveals that he's cheated <laughs> on Holly Hunter's character. And he says this to Camille. And he, he reveals that the one true way that you know you fall in love with someone is if you cheat on them because then you, you feel, feel like, like shit. shit. So 
What did you think of them? Well, you know, it resonated on us. I was being funny when I was sitting next to you. And I think you saw me perk up and I think I muttered something like, I kind of like that. Mm-hmm. But I was being ira. I was being playful, like giving me a license to cheat when I'm in a monogamous relationship. And I feel like shit, that means she's the one. It's, it's, I, I get it. I understand it as a way, as a philosophy, but obviously it's morally bankrupt. Yeah, I mean, Robert, do you want to cheat on your girlfriend? And then if you feel like shit, that means that you really love her. No, No, of course not. But let me ask you a question. Your reluctance for commitment, (laughs) is it because you're afraid that you'll cheat? Or is it really a deep-seated fear that they might cheat on you? No, it's neither. And I'm going to be really open and honest with you and our our six listeners. I've always had this... Soon to be five. (laughs) (laughs) An issue of mine is, can I do better? Can I do better? Is there somebody out there, maybe the next one gets me more and would make me more happy? I'm really honest with you right now. Yeah. And that's that's been kind of my cross to bear as an adult, thinking, maybe I can do better. Somebody who gets me. Someone who level. I could shit in front of. Well, Yeah. <laughs> Actually, you're being funny, but using that specific, yeah. But you know what I mean. That that's been an, an issue of mine. But I, I guess my issue with you is, wouldn't you say that? I mean, look, if you're yourself, if if you are you, then the other person should just be themselves around you, and you just are harmonious around them, and that's getting you. Does is, does anyone truly get you? Did your parents no. get you? No. Has anyone? gotten you no well no one ever gets any are you on that level does well, any no one ever really gets anyone well so then you, right you will never find anyone okay but you're using that we're going into an absolute land for that but i'm saying that maybe somebody else will get me a little bit more but no one ever gets but what does that mean i don't know what that means that someone will get me more it means that i'm uh probably uh scared to commit but I, I'm that because but what's, I feel like what's maybe what's around the corner, Robert. It's the old candy store syndrome. It's the shiny object syndrome. Oh, look at that pretty one over there. Oh, that's really pretty and shiny. When do you stop reaching out for shiny objects and instead just keep the one that you've got? How do you how do you know when? I've been in a lot of relationships and not in any of the relationships do I feel like the other person didn't get me wait so every single relationship i've had i feel like the other person got me but some more than others no i i wouldn't say that i would say all of them get me all right well then did you get them yes i think i got them the well then pro- if you got each other why weren't you what made you move on uh some of them were crazy well what else is new they're all crazy but i understood that i got them i'm like okay well, they're crazy I don't think all of them are crazy. Well, not your girlfriend. I know. Right. She's the most sane person you've ever been with. That's true. Don't fuck it up. I'm trying not to. Good. Uh, No, but I got them. I understood them. Look, my family. I'll take my family. Let's let's take relationship status out of things. I get my family. They get me, but there's problems within my family. My mom or my brother or my dad or whatever. There would be problems there just within a relationship. And there, there may be reasons to have a split with a, a family member. And we just saw that in this movie. But that doesn't mean that you don't get them. You know what, Robert? Maybe 
get is the wrong. What I meant was a better fit. That's okay. it. Now that, that's it. That, there's let some me substitute. There. Yeah, let me substitute. Get me. I know everyone. Well, you get me. People get me. They get me, and I get people. But maybe a better fit, and that's what I mean by the shiny object syndrome. Oh, look at that one over there. Oh, that feels real good. Do you feel that's like a good fit. is that is the the constant search for a fit based on your changing desires? No, I think my desires have been pretty constant. Because you're a creature consistent. of habit. You I'm very like consistent. Ha- yeah, you like habitual stuff. I know. I so, uh, do you is your is your sex habitual? Like, do you like sex the same kind of way? It's consistent. So, but it varies on who I'm with. All right. So, when you're with like Steve, the construction worker, I know you've been <laughs> dating him for a while. No, but I'm uh, whoever you're. Okay, when you were with when you were with. Uh, when you were in the relationship for, yeah. with, with Kathy. Kathy. Yeah. All right, so I want to make sure I can say yeah. names. Yeah. Uh, when you were in the relationship with Kathy for three and a half years, did, was your sexual relationship consistent? Like, did you have sex the same way all the time? Yeah. Well, and, yes, yes. And so that's scary to you is that that's going to be the same way forever? You having no change? Or are you okay with that's, that? No, it's not that. It's, that doesn't, isn't it? No, it's more of um, a better fit. What does that mean? I think you know what it means. Yeah, a better fit. Mm-hmm. Well, back to the movie. No way, this is the best part of the pot. I want to know what you think that means. What does that mean, a better fit? Chemistry. How many people have you dated? Robert. Uh, it's, it's over a dozen, right? 8,917. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not laughing. All right. So you've dated almost 9,000 women. Holly Hunter is really a terrific act. Out She's of these 9,000 women, you're saying none of them are compatible with you? No. I never said they're not compatible. I said maybe not a good fit is the next one. All right. I'm fucked up and I need therapy. Well. We could all handle some therapy, yeah. But I'm curious what you mean by that, by needing needing a good like fit. What is it that, that you need a fit? Whew, that silence is deafening. So many of my friends are in ho-hum marriages. Feels like they're stuck. And that scares the shit out of me. Hmm. Well, that's interesting. Yeah. Wow. So it's it's the fear of of being locked stuck. in, stuck, yeah. So I don't know I don't know if this is a fear of I could do better. It's a fear even if you even if you met the perfect woman, the quote-unquote perfect woman. If you if you met Scarlett Johansson and she had all No, of no, the, she sold out. She yeah, right. That's what I'm saying. She sold out. <laughs> she's now going to be with you. But she has personality-wise everything that you're looking for. Everything. You wouldn't commit to her? Would she wear a miniskirt and five-inch heels? No, you're being silly, but no, I'm being for I'm real. Yeah, not. of course. She, all of that Good. stuff. All right, done. So if Scarlett Johansson was just to come around and wear a miniskirt and five-inch heels, <laughs> you'd, you'd propose to her then? Well, I'd also want to have a heart-to-heart with her about her career choices and her projects. Oh, See, you're not handling this with seriousness Well, I am, actually. Look how honest I've been with you. I know, but I'm asking the yeah, question. Yeah, yeah. 
I, I mean, if there was a woman who physically and emotionally had all of the package, then you would officiate at my wedding. I somehow don't believe that. I do. Yeah. So you're looking for someone who has all of those check marks. Yeah. Aren't we all? I think there's something deeper. I think it's more than just not having the right check marks. Because I don't believe that you could date almost 9,000 women and not find one who doesn't have all the check marks. That's a slow nod, yes. Yeah, it's, I'm, I'm not, it's an affirmative <sighs> nod I'm giving you. All right. Well, let's talk about the movie. <sighs> hey, what? guess what? I want to tell you something. What? What do you want? Leave me alone. When my mom was a teenager, my mom and my dad were dating. And this is a true story. And she drove my dad to college. My dad was going to um, uh, MTSU, was Middle Tennessee State University. And she was driving him out there. It was a little bit of a drive, about three, four hours. She and her sister were driving him to college. And on the way home, she dropped him off at college. She, she turns to her sister. She's talking about breaking up with my dad. She's like, yeah, I don't know. It's getting kind of boring. And I kind of, same, same as you. Like, I want to see what else is out there and see if I can do better and that kind of thing. Well, they're driving home. And my mom falls asleep in the passenger's side. And my aunt, my mom's sister, starts to fall asleep in the driver's side. And they smack into a semi-truck. My mom was not wearing her seatbelt. And she came up off the seat. Her face hit the windshield. And it actually broke her neck. Uh, had a hairline fracture. They thought it was whiplash. But they, uh, they didn't realize it was a, an actual break in the neck. Took her to the hospital. She was in a full body cast, everything. My dad found out about it, dropped everything, just stopped going to class and went to the hospital and literally just kind of lived outside her hospital room door and just stayed in the hallway and they couldn't get rid of him. He wouldn't leave and just stayed there every day until she got better. And after that, my mom was like, I'm not going to do any better. This guy cares about me. It's a very similar aspect to this movie that we just saw and kind of touching on what you were just discussing. And now they're divorced. And now they're divorced. And now they're divorced. But they have about two that? children. I don't know what that has to do with anything. The point is that now they're divorced. That has something to do with the fact that I wouldn't be here if it weren't for that story. I know. My life would be so much easier. <laughs> you, you have no desire to have kids? Oh, yeah. I would have made a great pop. It's my cross to bear. I would have made a terrific husband and a great pop. Mm-hmm. It's not too late. It's not. I mean, it is, but it's not. Too hey, late. hey, hey, no, it's not. <sighs> okay. All right. <laughs> you know Ray Romano? Yeah. He reminded me of Paul Reiser from yeah, Whip- Whiplash. No, like, Did you remember the Whiplash? Of course. Yeah. And I like the idea of these kind of like, ni- uh, like 80s or 90s comedians who are getting this kind of uh, meaty role in an independent film. I guess. He's a one-note actor, isn't he? Ray Romano? Yeah. yeah. He's, he's doing eh, it. I would have said the same thing about Paul Reiser and Whiplash, but he was really good. I yeah. thought he brought, yeah. Some, um, yeah. he brought some emotion to it. Sorry. I think it was Holly. Holly Hunter brought... Th- she brought it home. Oh, yeah. Holly Hunter did a great yeah. job. But, but she, like... One of my money shots for this movie... Money shots. When, when she walks out of the hospital room after her daughter wakes up, she wipes Camille's face. Did you see this? Thing? Robert, can I steal that as my money shot? Can I steal it from you? No. Yes, I do remember that. I was very taken by that. It was very like, it was, what? It was but beautiful. Kind of understood it. It was beautiful. Yeah. 
I'm stealing that. She made a few odd choices. She made a lot of really nice choices. Uh, but when she also circled around Raymond. Yeah, Robert, I'm, t- I'm stealing that as my second money do shot. Do you remember this? Of course just I do. Some weird she things. went around or completely around him. Yeah. Ray Romano's talking to her. She just circles. Him. I know. I know. It's kind of odd, but, but it, noticeable. But I liked it. I agree. Yeah. Um, I, I got to say, I know that this is based on a true story, but. I'm not a fan of the ending. I really wish this movie had ended. You wish she died? I no, I don't. I wish she didn't die. I wish he had gone so, off to New York, and yeah. that was the end of the movie. Yeah, they wouldn't do that. I know they wouldn't do it. But first of all, they they got married, so of course they're going to have to. You know, <laughs> that that goes completely against what happened. So we know that they're going to end up together. But I I wish that the story had been separate from the yeah, reality yeah, because I really like that idea of loading up that car and just driving off and he's going to New York. Yeah, and she she told him goodbye and yeah. she she had this hey yeah. thanks so much for helping me and you're a really sweet guy and uh, you know this is it. I would have liked that more. I do have a problem with their breakup scene. Uh, you know, it, it should be noted that about Which, ha- about twenty minutes. No, I shouldn't say twenty minutes, but 30, 40 minutes into the movie, they break up right before she gets sick and. They are technically broken up when uh, when she goes to the hospital. And breakup scene was over nothing. It, it, she The fact that she'd been married and divorced, and she couldn't understand that this guy has a cigar box full of women that his mom was setting him up with. She wasn't willing to listen to him and, and hear him out. Robert, one of my notes here is why was she so upset? Is one of your notes steal all of Robert's ideas? That's right. Why was she so upset? Yeah. Why? I can understand her being a bit upset, but not to break up over it. Yeah. 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 And accusing him of lying. Steal all he of Robert's he, ideas. That was very funny, by the way. Yeah. It, he wasn't lying. He just... What's well, he gonna he's do? he's covering up. Well, not, not really. But it was in a box. And, and all I the would argue so the fact that she was married needs to come out real early. Yeah. yeah. Not my mom is trying to fix me up with all these women right. and I'm doing her. I'm just, you know, his sin was far more minor than hers if anything it should have been flipped where he was more angry at her causing absolutely the and she didn't even want to talk about it with him she drops it and he he's has, having to do all the well, let me let me pick this up and 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 try to mine you for more information no. instead of her saying listen i want you to know real early on I am divorced. I was married for a little while, and you deserve to hear that. If she had said it that way, then I would have gone, okay, but she's been extremely honest and upfront with him from the very beginning, but she didn't do that. Bitch. (laughs) You know something else I do really like about this movie? Tell me. I do really like that Ray Romano's character was warm to Camille from almost the beginning. No, no, not... Almost at the beginning. There was an initial tenseness and I think they were just kind of protective of their daughter and maybe a little weirded out but this movie could have gone on with 20 minutes of of it being you know meet the Falkers and it wasn't and they didn't they didn't need to be that movie there was already a conflict of of Emily being sick and them trying to deal with that and so really it gave it, it opened up a new avenue and a new window okay. that I hadn't seen of of the father-in-law and of course they're not married but the potential father-in-law and mother-in-law actually getting along with the son-in-law who's from this other culture and them starting to understand one another and lending this advice look how holly hunter's character berated the heckler in right. the comedy club and, and that was definitely one of my money shots my, as well me too yeah i'm still <laughs> you should take all my ideas and they said something else in this movie that i 
loved. And it was one of the best lines I've heard in a movie in a long time. And not necessarily the, the wording, but the concept. They said a really, really great concept. It was Holly Hunter. And she said, the doctors are winging it just like everybody yeah, yeah, else. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I went, how fucking true. And it's I've, true. I've thought true. that before yeah. myself. And we have this almost m- mythical belief Put that doctors are going to solve their gods, everything. They can't do anything wrong. Oh my gosh, they're, they're human beings and they're yeah. trying. Yeah. You know, it's not like their cause isn't noble, but they're doing a job and they've got, they're doing the best they can, but they're trying to just figure it out like we all are. And to, to, to somehow just assume that they've got all these magical answers, that's a mistake. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. I, I also... Did you notice there was some slight time issues with this movie where the friends of Camille say, hey, we're going to move to New York this week, this following week. Yeah. Yeah. And then he does, he puts together a play and puts advertisements up for this play. All that happened in four days. I guess. And then everybody shows up for the play. Right. And then she, she shows up and they're like, Oh yeah, we're leaving this weekend. I was kind of like, oh, there's some time problems there. Like all of this stuff that it, it seemed to have crammed two months worth of time right, right. into one week. Right. And you know that I don't like that. I don't like time coincidences. I really didn't like the fact that right before he steps up onto the stage, his he gets this phone call that totally derails. I him. I hate that. Yeah. Talk about manipulation, contrived. And I don't like biggest fail uh, ever biggest bomb on set uh, oh that yeah. wasn't even he was just speaking from the heart he was actually speaking yeah and what was the heading on the youtube it had that headline yeah, yeah. like biggest bomb and ever actually it was so raw yeah it was so raw that it wasn't a bomb it was just it was it was hey you know what i'm going through a lot of shit let's not be funny for a minute let me just tell yeah. you what's going on with my yeah. life yeah. and i think people wouldn't say oh yeah you weren't funny so you're an idiot Right. If he was trying to tell the same jokes, I can understand him bombing. But I, I think they're trying to serve two masters with that scene right. of, of trying to say to the audience, oh, I fucked up my set. But but really, they're trying to say, here's what I was trying to convey to the audience was um, I, this, this sadness that I'm going through. Yeah. 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 Any other thoughts? Yeah. Uh, I didn't like the title. I agree. Robert. Yeah. The big sick. I think they could do better than that. What is it? She was sick, right? The big yeah. sick. Yeah. God. Um, what else? That's it. That's it. Yet, having said all everything I've said, I still liked it. And yeah, I, would, I liked it too. I would give it a, in between a B and a B plus. I give it a B plus. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, we didn't discuss one thing that you and I. I know it's both of. We we both have a problem when we see it in movies there's a line that they said several times in this movie. What are you doing here? Robert, it's a, I lo- tell us. Yeah. I, I realize As a writer, that's, this is now a, tr- it's not a trope, it's but it's a, a uh, cliche. It's a cliche. And every time someone shows up where they shouldn't be or, you know, surprises someone, there's always the line. What are you doing? People here? don't talk that way. No one says that. No. If you haven't seen me in three years, I suddenly knock at your door and it's me. Hey, Ira! Oh <laughs> what the God. fuck? Yeah. yeah, what are you doing? Yeah. I would not say, yeah. what are you doing What are you here? doing Th- here? That I know. would not be and the it way said, it's said. Is it said two times in the At movie? least two. Yeah. I, I, I caught know, it I a gave you a times, nudge. But yeah. I think it was two or three times. Yeah. And I think by different characters. And it's interesting. Once once you start catching that 
line, start looking for it in movies, and you start going, oh my gosh, everyone says this line. What let's, is that? Let's write a movie called entitled, not entitled, uh, titled. You told titled, me that. Yes. Titled, what are you doing here? What are you doing here? <laughs> what are you doing here? And it should also be noted, we saw this movie at the Regal Cinema, so we got to see Racist Robot. Yeah. What's up with that? I want to get Racist Robot trending on Twitter. That's the... <laughs> the, the Regal Cinema's it's so, logo... It's or really the overt. Short film. Go ahead. The, the robot offers <laughs> popcorn to the white woman and totally neglects ignores, the black woman sitting right next woman. to him. He reaches over the seat to hand the popcorn to the white woman. Can you get? Let's get your cell phone in there and photograph. Oh, it's so funny. Video. Put it oh on. no, I'm sure it's online. We'll just we'll download it. And put you it up on the online? website. Yeah. So when you, if as you're listening to this episode, go go to our website and look online for this episode, and uh, I'll put the link up there to the racist robot. I'm sure we'll find it. <laughs> it's good times. Good times. All right. All right. Let's talk about some top five. Top, uh, 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 uh. <clears throat> Okay, my number five uh, is uh, Roberto. Oh, Roberto. Go ahead. And now wipe off that frown as we present our countdown. We ain't joshing. This ain't no jive. Time to give a listen. Time, I was fuck up that last line. Time to give a listen to our top five. All right. Now I I want to say this is top five interracial couples. <laughs> Right, that's what we said. Um, did we say couples or relationships? It. I think that it needs to be romantic. Oh, oh no, 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 no! Now you're really backpedaling. No. You are. We never said that. Now come on. No, you come on. Because one could argue that two buddies, just like one's black and one's white, that would that would be all these like uh, forty eight hours or something like that. Lethal weapon. That's not the spirit of what we're doing here. It needs to be romantic on some interracial level. couples, interracial romantic couples. Yeah, it needs to be romantic because uh, in the movie that we saw today, the the big sick, there was a scene of uh, the uh, what's the George Romero movie, the uh, the zombie movie, the first zombie movie. Oh, yeah, uh, I know what you mean. No, say it. No, the, I, by uh, I can't think of it. I know what you mean. The night, night of living dead. And, of course, the famous lead in that was a black guy. So, but I don't think there was anything... Right. There was no relationship. There was nothing romantic going on with him. So, I, I don't think that would count. I agree with you. What? I agree with you. However... I'm sorry. What? <laughs> <laughs> when we say interracial, I'm doing what's called syllogistic reasoning in a Venn diagram. Go with me on this. What about interspecies? Yeah, it, two I mean, different species. Do you have to be in the same species to be have different races? Now that if, I'll go with. But you it will? needs to be romantic. Wait a minute. Yeah. So if if I marry an alien, yeah. would that count as interracial yeah. or interspecies? I might inter have an alien on my list. You just, I think you do. That's why you're agreeing with me. Mm -hmm. That's why. You, that's the only reason you're agreeing with but me. No, I, what I don't want. Your list. I don't want you saying that. You, you know, Eddie Murphy and Nick Nolte count as a I agree romantic with you. relationship. I agree with you. But what about a, an alien from another planet? Look, Turner and Hooch but, ain't going to cut okay, it, I, right? Yeah, we get that point, okay? okay? But what about a different planet? This is interplanetary. I've already said yes, and, and you're missing... I can't believe... You're, you're, only you're saying fucking yes up my ability no, to name all these You're only saying yes because Okay, all right, I'm impressed. All right. Whew. Bad. 
You, All go, right. you go first. All right. My number five is a movie from 1997. And I want to say two things. Number yeah. one, we're going to do scoops of ice cream afterwards. Right. If we have any, it's done afterwards. And also, we cannot repeat. Right. These are movies we, say we have. You're not allowed to repeat your movies for one year. Oh, oh, one year. Yes. So one year from the time that you say them, you can right. use that movie again. Why are you doing that? Because we keep using the same freaking right. movies right. all the time. So this means you cannot speak about Mad Max Road Warrior right. for another year. Right. Thank God. Hey, there were no Thank niggers God. at all Thank in God. Mad Max. What? That's the way you like movies, right? Well, I, I don't know. If that seemed to be a non sequitur, but go ahead, Robert. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Speaking of niggers, in 1997... Jackie Brown. I like that movie. Yeah, right? I know you do. I really like that movie. Pam Greer. No, and no. Uh, what's his it's name? Forrest. Um, uh, Robert Forrest. Robert Forrest. Man, they have a little something, something going on. What's it good? Tarantino. Yes, Tarantino's second, well, third movie, but his, uh, his, his follow-up to Pulp Fiction. Yeah. That's really nice. Yeah. I thanks. didn't think of that one. All right. My number five, you know, well... Let me first say, it's on. these are favorites of ours, mm-hmm. but I need to preface it by saying this movie does not hold up, it's melodramatic, and it's somewhat corny. But I have to include it, because it's important, it's time. Mm-hmm. Guess who's coming to dinner? 1967, Stanley Kramer, who we've spoken about quite a bit, his reputation for making movies about social relevance and so on. We had uh, Spencer Tracy, Sidney Poitier, Catherine Hepburn, and um, interracial bringing... The black man at home say, Mom, Dad, this is the man I want to marry. Guess who's coming to dinner? You know, I, I saw that not too long ago, and yeah. it doesn't hold up all oh, it's, that it's well. melodramatic. Yeah. Uh, and, and I was always kind of like, what's the big deal about this movie? I get it, though. I, I know that the time in which it was made and, and the impact mm-hmm. that it had culturally just because of uh, the, the racial tension that was going on, and it said something that was important. But um, I, I can appreciate that being on... One of our lists. Yeah, I, I had there. I put his number five, and it doesn't hold up. But how could I not have included it? Yeah. Okay, that's my number five. Okay, Robert, your number four. My number four is a movie from two thousand seven. <laughs> Lars and the it's Real Girl. This. There. Now I knew this was going to be on your list. <laughs> I knew this had to be on your list because. <laughs> Sorry, uh, I just banged the microphone. Because it has to do with a. <laughs> A, uh, a, a not a robot woman. What do you call it? A uh, doll. Yeah, doll, and a sex doll. And I know that's your thing. <laughs> that's why you put it on your list, because I know no, it's, it's Iris I, thing. I put it on my list because it's a good movie. It's a great movie. But I knew it was going to be on your list because Robert, that's you're your great. Thing. And let me say, are you done with that? Bob? I am. Go ahead. Because Robert, it's also my number four. It's interesting that we both included it. We both have it ranked number four. Mm-hmm. Lars and the Real Girl, 2007. Ryan Gosling, he's he's really something. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's he became that character, frumpy and that sweater and everything about his body language and so on. Um, I want you to know that that movie was nominated for an Academy Award for Best Screenplay. How about that? Original screenplay. Didn't win. But it was uh, it was nominated Lars and the Real Girl, number four, and that of course is why I'm obsessed with waiting for the scientists to hurry up and develop the sex doll already, so we can all be happy. Mm-hmm. They've already invented it. Yeah, but they're really making a lot of improvements in Japan. Uh, so you're, <laughs> you're following that. You're keeping up to date with it. 
All right. My number three is a movie from 1999 that I bet you forgot about, but I have a feeling you're going to go home tonight and make and find out if it's on Netflix or not, because uh, this is a good one. Lucy Liu and Mel Gibson in 1999's Payback. And uh, man, she had it bad for Mel Gibson. He wanted none of it. And keep in mind, she also had a fling with a bunch of the bad guys. She was a dominatrix. And that was a really great interracial something-something going on. Yeah. Yep. I saw it, and I agree. I should have thought of that one. Nice choice, Robert. Thank you. All right, your number three? My number three. 1960 with William Holden. The World of Susie Wong. Are you familiar with this movie? I don't know this movie. Have you ever heard of it? No. Uh, He, an American, goes to Hong Kong and hooks up with an Asian prostitute. Susie Wong. This sounds like your kind of movie. And, really, and that's when I thought, wow, Asian prostitute. Hmm, sexy, submissive. Who can ask for anything more? Who can and ask that's for anything, anything more? That's my third choice, The World of Susie Wong. All right. Now, I'm going to say my number two, and you are going to you're gonna give me a hard time. Oh, no. Wait, wait, wait. But I'm going to defend it. Okay. But first, let me ask. Hmm. I bet one's an alien. Nope. I bet one's a zombie. Nope. This is straight up, straightforward. This is... And yet I'm going to give you a hard time. Yes. I'm curious about this. It's a movie from 2017 that we reviewed on this podcast. It comes at night. I'm just not giving the, you a hard time. No. I think it's a great Well, I, think you might, I thought you might give me a hard time because, A, it's so recent and it's been on this podcast. So what? But I really like that movie. I know. And what I really liked about that uh, interracial couple was that it wasn't... It, it wasn't a big central focus point of the movie. They weren't trying to make it into something that it wasn't. It wasn't a. Uh, it wasn't central to the plot, and that's how I like it. it it's soft handed, and it's not trying to force feed you racist undertones or overtones, as it were. Yeah, and it's really interesting you said that because obviously, with these movies we're rattling off, either it was an issue in the storyline about interracial couple or it's not it right. just is and that's why i like your example your your uh, selection because it had nothing to do with anything right it just was it didn't matter um nice choice robert Thank no you. i'm not giving you a hard time on that okay yeah all right it's a good list my number two have you ever heard of a film in 1965 another one was Sidney poitier a patch of blue I've heard of it. I've never seen it. It's quite a movie. All I right. saw it in the theater when it first came out. Again, with Sidney Poitier coming back. And um, Shelley Winters won the Oscar for that, for supporting actress. So she got it for actress and supporting... Actress for Anne Frank. And now this one for supporting actress. And I want to say, too, that it was the... Um, by the way, Patch of Blue, for what it's worth, I, I did. I looked up these movies after I selected them. And it does have on Rotten Tomatoes 100%. Huh. 100%. And um, it's only three people that saw know, the movie, yeah. but yeah, um, it's a really good movie. You know, those Rotten Tomatoes scores sometimes they'll have good scores, and then people will watch these older movies and it will start to tank their scores a little bit. Movies that uh, at the time had really good critiques, and then as newer reviewers go back and review them, it starts to alter their scores somewhat, right? Right, but anyway. A it, it's a, I really recommend Jerry Goldsmith. It's his first. Oh, okay. It's his first music soundtrack. Well, I'd like to see that. Patch of Blue. This is a good list we're having. Right yeah, now. I like I, this. I like this. My number one movie. Now this is an alien movie. 
So it is an interspecies, but as we've already discussed, this would be racial. Any guesses as to what it's going to be? Yeah, I do. I have three guesses. Okay. Okay. I think you picked Avatar. Nope. I think you picked Star Trek, uh, the motion picture. No, the first one where he does marry. You know me. I've not seen any of the Star Trek movies. Um, No. Wait. Okay. One more. All right. One more. And there was... um, Actually, it doesn't fit that. Let's hear it. It's a movie from 1986. A movie you and every listener we have is going to give me shit about. Howard the Duck. (laughs) And you gave me a hard time recently for picking Atticus Finch, who does his job really well. Hey, now why should Avatar work, but Howard the Duck shouldn't? Howard is... Is there a room... Do they fuck? uh, They kiss. There's definitely a thing going on. Is it romantic? Yes, absolutely. Leah Thompson develops a crush on Howard the Duck. I forgot Leah Thompson was in that. And people give that movie such a hard time, and I can understand why, but it's not as bad as everybody says. It it definitely is stupid, but I I kind of like it. I think it's fun. It's a really fun, silly movie. I love that I love Howard the Duck. They're remaking it. Are they yeah, I've read re- that someplace. They're remaking it. It. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but I'm really excited about the remake. I've, I loved Howard the Duck. I've always liked the the story of him, and uh, I, I just like that attitude of ah fuck it, you know that kind of the the kids. Uh, Wait, you said alien? Yeah, he's an alien. The, the duck is an alien. Yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah, he's from like a duck planet. Duck planet. Yeah, yeah. And he gets sucked down to Earth. Got it. Yeah, there you go. Species. That was the movie I thought you were oh, going to mention. Yeah, I was going to include Species. Good call. Yeah. But, but Species never but, got romantic because it but, killed everybody. Well, they fucked. They were a couple. Oh, I thought about that. And she point. was drop dead gorgeous and uh, she, she fucked was. him. Yeah. My number one? It's not Species? No. I just threw that in. <laughs> Missed opportunity. I know. Can I change my list now? Please. Fuck Ready? Patch of Blue. <laughs> West Side Story. I knew that was coming. Did you really? Yeah. Did you? 1961, Robert Weiss movie. Natalie Wood was in there. You know, it won 10 Oscars. 10. It was nominated for 11. It won 10 Oscars. Yeah. Hmm. I like that movie a lot. You're you're not sure. Yeah, I liked it. It was okay. I love the music. The music is good. The story is played out. It's Romeo and Juliet. It's Romeo and Juliet. Right. Yeah. So, uh, I, I don't know. It just didn't do that much for me. The music was pretty good. The dancing and the, uh, you know, I've always said this, I, I say this a lot on the, on the podcast, that this fits the stereotype of the two different types of musicals. I don't, I'm not a big fan of musicals right. in general, but especially, and I'm going to actually remember this time and I have to look it up. There's two different types of musicals. There's integrated and operatic. And this is an operatic musical where they just bust into song, much like Grease or, you know, a lot of the, a lot of the, uh, a lot of musicals from that era where they're just all right. of a sudden they all know which dance moves to to make and and they're th- there's no rhyme or reason as to why they know that whereas singing in the rain they were all performers and they they were rehearsing a show together that makes sense that they would know how to sing and dance and that's why i love cabaret it right. made sense right all the singing and dancing made sense yeah so kid that's called incorporated right right and blues brothers did a really clever job of being both incorporated and operatic. So people forget the Blues Brothers was a musical, but it certainly was. And there were some scenes where, you know, when they're buying the pianos from Ray Charles's uh, music shop and everybody just bursts into a dance out in the street and it becomes a parody of operatic musicals. Right. 
Right. Yeah. He, Robert didn't like my first choice. I can feel it. I'm just not crazy about that movie. That's all right. I understand. I did have a couple scoops. Oh, here we go. Uh, just two. Just two. The Bodyguard. And, and I, I will always love you. I will. O- it's funny how we both went into that. The very same. I like that. Um, actually, it was not a good movie, was it? But you want. Here's a trivia. I might have mentioned this once I, before. The, one of the most famous money shots of all time. You remember the money yeah, the, shot, well, right? Well, there's like getting on the airplane at oh, the end. Oh, come on. Where he takes the silk scarf right, and throws it right, up in the air right. and the sword cuts it yeah, in half. Yeah, I don't even remember yeah. what the rest of the movie you're was right. about you're other right. than that. You're right, you're right. So, Bodyguard. Yeah, I think I told you it was actually in pre in development hell for a while. They wanted mm. Steve McQueen and Diana Ross, which would have been an interesting casting back then. Yeah. It would have been. And the other one, too, is Monster Ball. Mm-hmm. You saw it. Yeah, they, yeah, of course. Quite a movie. Well, yeah, they had a good yeah. sex scene in there. Yeah, a good sex. That's it. Top five. Good. Hey, we agreed. What do we agree? Lars. We both put that down for number four. Yeah. You know, if you got a if you got a doll, you could probably shit in front of it. Oh my god. Just saying. I have to go online and buy one. Mm-hmm. It's what? gonna be really creepy when you take a shit and you hear. Ira. <laughs> There. No, actually, it'd be more creepy, Robert, if the doll is just a doll, yet I'm still uptight in the bathroom and I still can't take a <laughs> shit. That's more frightening. It's just staring that's, at that's, you with that's, a that's big, wide more, open yeah, mouth. Yeah. Yeah. Making that face? I wonder if that would really make me uptight. Only one way to find out, buddy. Let's do it. Yeah. And document the whole thing. Okay, well, hey, we guess we, we did it. We did a podcast. Robert, we did it. And we only dropped the end bomb a couple times. <laughs> yeah, you did. Not we. Oh, oh, oh uh, you're cleaning up your act. Uh, mm-hmm. I see how it is. Yeah, my shit don't stink. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's what, what, yeah, what you saying before <laughs> and after this podcast. Okay, so, uh, yeah, if you have a problem with our top five. Our, we got letters this time. I yeah, like that. We, we want more. I want more emails. Where do we fuck up? Let us know. You can send us an email to robert at moneyshotpodcast.net or and slash or ira at moneyshotpodcast.net or you can send us a message over at Twitter at moneyshotpod or send us a message through Instagram which is at moneyshotpodcast. We're all over the place, aren't we? We are. We really are. You can find us on iTunes, on Stitcher, on Google Play. Just, just go to our website. Any of those options will work. So until next time, keep watching movies and we'll help you sort them out. In a pig's eye. That'll never happen. I'm I'm Jewish.